of his tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love 
pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never... Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Doug, and I just want to welcome you here this morning to Victory Christian Fellowship. Those of you that are here and those of you that will be watching this online, we just greet you this morning. It's a great day in the Lord. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful and grateful that we have a good God. And Lord, you rule and reign. And all those who believe in you and trust in you, and we give you thanks and praise for your greatness this morning. Thank you for being in our midst, doing great and mighty things. And Lord, we just honor you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Let's worship him in this place. Jesus has done what no one else could do. What no one else will ever do. Hallelujah. Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place. We lift up the name of Jesus in this country right now today. Worship. Worship him like he's the only one. Jesus, yeah, for 
Oh, we give you thanks and praise, Lord Jesus. Oh, we just need to give him the high praise. Let's just lift up Jesus in this place. Every heart, every voice. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a high praise. He is worthy. Lord, we lift you up in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we're so grateful and thankful that we are able to communicate with you and you to us. And Lord, we just thank you for you speaking to us today. I am the light of the world, and I have shined my light in your heart. It's time for you to share the light, to pass on the flame, to share your knowledge of me. Go and share. Be bold. Be strong. For you have a story to tell. It's a story of love. It's a story of grace. It's a story of forgiveness. So go and share your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Hallelujah. It is a good day. Amen. good to be in God's house with God's people. You know, there's no substitute for fellowship. God included fellowship. You know why? Because we need each other. Just like your bones need your skin. Right? Aren't you glad we're not skeletons walking around? We've got skin <laughs> to cover us. Amen. Amen. Well... Let's get ready to exercise our authority and speak the word of God. And let's make our confession. Our victory comes through faith in God and obedience to his word. The Lord does marvelous things for us. And by his right hand and holy arm, we gain the victory. The Lord makes us victorious wherever we go. Our victory comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are thankful to him. We overcome our accuser, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we do not fear death. Because I am born of God, I overcome the world. My victory over the world is my faith in Jesus as the Son of God. As an overcomer, I partake of eternal life, and I am rescued from hell. As an overcomer, I partake of God's heavenly bread, and I have power over the nations. As an overcomer, I am clothed in pure white, and my name is written in the book of life. In all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loves us. We are persuaded that not even death or life, 
angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing, will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. I just wanted to share something this morning. I was driving to church. And I was praying and thanking God for things in my life. And I realized that God created the church for us here. And he, set, he, he designed it so there would be places that church, his body, could meet. And so it's something for us to thank him for because it's a design that is so uh, robust, the way it's designed. This, you know these things because that's what the enemy fights. He fights you from coming to church, and he fights the church from gathering. And we, we recognized this in the past year, how around the world, pastors have been arrested for having church, even meeting with people in their homes. But see, when the church, the body of Christ, gets together, more than one or two gets together, it is a weapon. You, you automatically form a weapon against the enemy, just getting together. Imagine that. So this is why he doesn't want you to meet as a group at all. Because it's, it's a strategy against him directly. So I just want to encourage you to thank God for your church. That you get to come into a place and meet and interact with people. And just your presence together is a, is a threat to the enemy. Don't let him keep you away by yourself, you know, hunker down. It may work for a time, but you need a place that, you, that, that there's a placeholder for you. The enemy knows that you have a spot in this body. And there's some bodies, there's some get-together groups he just won't mess with. I think this is one of them. So... <laughs> So you have to get into the huddle. Let's huddle and defeat the enemy. Amen? That's Amen. Awesome. I want to share with you three kinds of givers. Someone uh, has said that there are three kinds of givers. The flint, the sponge... And the honeycomb. To get anything out of the flint, you have to hammer it. Then you get only chips and sparks. To get water out of a sponge, you must squeeze it. And the more pressure you apply, the more you'll get. But the honeycomb just overflows with its own sweetness. Which kind of giver are you? You know, when we give to God, it demonstrates our faithfulness to him. After all, God doesn't ask of us to do anything that he didn't do himself. Right? Why did he, what did he do when he loved the world? He gave. 
What did he give? His only son. Amen? That's pretty awesome. And, you know, money is not evil. It's the love of it that's evil. But money is a tool. Right? And uh, we just need to use it for good things. Right? So give some. Save some. Invest some. And spend some. Father, I just give you thanks and praise this morning for every giver and the gifts that they have brought into your kingdom, Lord, the investments that they make. And I just thank you, Father, that you receive it in heaven and you bless it and multiply it and increase it and cause those givers to be super abundantly blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right, do we have some awesome kids in here? You guys ready for your kids' life class? Hallelujah. We're going to dismiss your kids now. Experience the anointing and the power of God, kids. And also, I want to let you know that um, the last Saturday of this month, June 26th, we're going to have a special Barnabas meeting. So... uh, All the men should uh, be able to come and invite some friends. We're going to have a special guest, Marvin Yoder, who uh, grew up Amish. And uh, God brought him out of the Amish uh, lifestyle. He's an instructor at Ramah. And uh, he's going to be with us on that Saturday for the Barnabas group. And then Sunday morning, the 27th, he's going to be our guest here this morning, or uh, on the 27th. So prepare for that. Amen. It's going to be a great time in the Lord. Were you ready for the word this morning? How many are excited about Jesus? How many love Jesus? Glory to God. Jesus is exciting. Now, you know, we have a phrase here called inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. And that phrase just didn't Uh, come up one day. It was something that God gave to me a long time ago. And I'm going to tell you how I got it, and we're going to explain to you why it's important to be an heir according to the promise this morning. Amen? Because some of you may know this, some of you may not. And, uh, but uh, when I was in Bible school, you know, I was in a place where God had called me to be. And God was working on me. He was training me. He was teaching me. He was preparing me for you. Amen? How many know whatever God has for someone, He will equip you, He will train you, He will put you in the right place to prepare you for when you're ready. And uh, it was a New Testament survey class. And it was being taught by Lowell Ledford. And we were going over the New Testament... And we ended up in Galatians chapter 3. And verse 29 really stood out to me in that class. It says, if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Right? And all of a sudden, it, it, it was like that verse just kind of went, whoom, jumped out at me, right? Say, hello, hello, this is for you. Right? How many of you ever had a God moment where God's talking to you, you're reading the Bible, you're in a conversation, all of a sudden God just drops something like, this is for you? 
what a, it, was, it's a, it was an awesome experience. So, not knowing what that meant, in that Bible that I had at that time, I, I put Pastor Pishka's ministry. But I didn't know what that meant. I just, the scripture was just like, okay, this is yours. But then as I prayed about it, as I read about it, as I studied it, God began to speak to me. And he began to show me that he was calling me to help people find their treasure and inheritance in God's word. And if you know me or you know Pastor Fiona, we will always point you to the word. Right? When you have a problem, we'll always say what the word says. We point you to the word. All right? I want you to go to Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to uh, uncover what it means to be an heir according to the promise. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, I've already said it to you. But it says, and if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed... And heirs according to the promise. Not just any promise, but it's the promise. This is an ironclad agreement from God. This is a statement of fact from God. It is a promise of God. How many know that God is a promise maker? And he's a promise keeper. You know, he operates by promises. And everything he says is a promise. You know, God never, insen- never says something he doesn't intend to do. He always intends to do what he says. He, when, his, when his word goes out of his mouth, it doesn't return void into him, but it, it accomplishes what he set it out to do. Right? So God is a man of his word. And, uh, you know, an inheritance is an awesome thing. An inheritance is, comes through a legal document called a will. And someone writes a will before they die, right? And in that will, they're promising to give to others, whomever they choose. It could be relatives, it could be friends, it could be organizations. They give them what they want to give them. You know, I'm going to give you my house or... Uh, my account or my car or whatever. And it's a promise, but it's also a legal document. How many know that God has a will? And he wrote it, and a will takes effect when someone dies. How many know that someone died in God's kingdom? Right? His name is Jesus. He died for us, establishing the will of God and bringing it into effect. And it is through the will of God that we can take legal possession of what God has given to us, of what God has uh, created us to be, all right? And uh, so a will gives a legal right to the next generation to possess what the previous generation has stored up for it, right? And, uh, you know... When Fiona and I pass, if Jesus doesn't come before that, we're going to leave an inheritance to our children's children. Amen? You know, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You've got to think about just more than one generation. Amen? And the good thing is that every believer in Christ is an heir. You are an heir to God's promise. 
In other words, as an heir, you have been chosen. You have been picked for to receive a distribution of God's goods and God's stuff and God's grace. He's got some things that he wants to pass on to you. He's got some things that he has given to you. And it's the le- and today we're in the reading of the will. You know, some people don't know that they're in the will until the reading of the will. They, a lawyer contacts them and says, hey, you've been written in, in Uncle Joe's will. Right? And you didn't know, but when you go to the will, the reading of the will discloses what belongs to you. It discloses what you can possess. So God the Father, he wrote his will. Jesus carried out his will. And the Holy Spirit is the executor of the will. You know, the executor of the will is the one who carries out the will. Right? In other words, the Holy Spirit has been given to us to show you what belongs to you. Because he knows what belongs to you. Right? He, had a very, he has a very intimate, close relationship with the author of the will. He knows what the heart of the will is. Hallelujah. And we need to know what God's will is. It's a very important fact that we need to know. God wants you to find his will. He made it accessible. You know, you don't have to dig for it. You can come right here to BCF and find out what God's will is. Or you can just open up the book, right? God wants you to discover what belongs to you. And he wants you to, he wants to help you appropriate the promise. Appropriate means to take possession of. All right? So let's look in Galatians Chapter, or we're going to stay in chapter 3 for a moment. And let's look at verse 6. Now the promise that God made goes back all the way to Abraham. Right? God gave Abraham a promise. What was that promise? You're going to be a father of many nations. How many kids did Abraham have when, he made that, when God made that promise with him? Nothing. What evidence did Abraham have that proved he was going to be a father. All he had was a promise. But the promise was made by God. How many know that God fulfills his promises? It wasn't just a a promise written of man, but it was a promise from God. And how many know that Abraham, he believed the promise and what? He became what the promise said. He became the father. He became what the... He possessed the promise. Now look at verse 6. It says, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. How many believers do we have here today? All you have to do to receive your inheritance is believe God. All you have to do to possess what's promised you is believe God. Your belief in God grabs hold of the promise and brings it to you. It's like you're sitting at a big dinner and you say, pass the potatoes. You know, I've got long arms. And when I'm sitting at a table... I've got a pretty good range. Gabriel even has a greater range. There's no food safe on the table, right? When I'm hungry, I'm going to reach out and grab it and bring it to me. Well, that's what you've got to do with the promise of God. You know, God gives you the promise 
But you have to possess it. God issues the promise, but you're the one that has to. God doesn't possess it for you. God gives you the promise. God backs the promise, but we have to possess it. And we have to do that by faith. Right? Just as Abraham. Notice, the same way that Abraham became righteous is the same way that we become righteous by believing God, by having faith in him, by trusting in him. Okay? Look at verse 7. Know you therefore that they which are of faith are the same, the same are the children of Abraham. How many are of faith today? Then guess what? You are a descendant. You are a part of Abraham's family because of your faith, right? Did you know that faith is thicker than blood? You know, they say blood is thicker than water, but faith is thicker than blood, right? The people who live by faith, who have confidence in the power and the goodness of God, are we confident in God's power? Are we confident in his goodness? Hallelujah. We've got to be confident. That's what having faith in God means. And we are the true sons of Abraham. Look at verses 8 and 9. And the scripture. That's God's written word. Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Aren't you glad that the, uh, us heathen can be justified through faith? Amen. Hallelujah, the scripture foresaw this. Before God wrote it, he knew it. Glory to God. Through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Say, I'm blessed. If you're, if you're of faith, then you're blessed. Abraham was blessed. God, God promised Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. That same promise is good for us today when we receive it by faith. Hallelujah. The same way that Abraham received the promise is the same way that we receive the promise today. It's accomplished. Go down to verse 16. Now to Abraham... And his seed were the promises made. He said not to the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So I want you to know that Christ is the seed of Abraham. But then anybody who is in Christ is engrafted into the seed. Did you know that God created a position for believers called in Christ? You can have things in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? We, we have to be in Christ. When we're in Christ, we're considered the seed. Why? Oh, because we have a relationship with the seed. And when we have a relationship with the seed, we get, the, we get what the seed gets. You're going to see that in just a minute. <laughs> Hallelujah. Alright? So Jesus is the seed. Right? It is Christ. Verse 17. And this I say, that the covenant, the covenant is the promise. 
The covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ. Notice that phrase, in Christ. Where was God's covenant confirmed? It was in Christ. Christ was the one who died. Christ was the one who carried out the will. Christ was the promise. Amen. He is the promised Messiah that came. And he did something. And what he did made us all beneficiaries of God's goodness. What Christ did included anyone who will believe in him. Anyone who will trust in him. Hallelujah. It was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 400. You know, God made this promise before he ever made the law, before he brought the law into being. All right. So this is a pre-law. Today you're studying pre-law. Right. The promise is pre-law. It's not based on the law. You don't get the promise by obeying the law. You get the promise by having faith in God. Verse 18. If the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. So if you're trying to be good enough, you're never going to be good enough. Because you can't be good enough. It is not by works that we can do. The promise to us is a gift of God. Hallelujah. If the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 18, or verse 19. Wherefore then, why do you serve, what purpose does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by the angels in the hand of a mediator, which was Moses. Moses was the one whom God gave the law, and he shared the law with Israel, right? All right? Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Okay? Then verse 21 Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Do you know that you've been given a promise? And all you're required to do for that promise to take effect in your life is to believe it. How many believe that promise today? You know, I've heard different figures, but there's probably over 7,000 promises in God's Word. Pretty much everything God says is a promise because He personally backs up His Word. He, he will not let His Word fall, He will not let His Word falter. What God said is so. If he says you're healed, then guess what? You're healed. If he says you're rich, then guess what? You're rich. If he says you're found, then guess what? You've been found. Right? If he says I've got a purpose for you, then guess what? He's got a purpose for you. That's the nature of his promise. Amen? Verse 22. 
But the scripture has concluded that all is understood that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ be given to them that believe. Verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up un- unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. The law, in other words, the purpose of the law was to show us how far we fell from God. That was the purpose of the law. And do you know that when, when there was no law instituted, there was no lawbreakers? You know, you can't break a law, that, a law of, of a law that's never been instituted. What happened to Cain and Abel? Cain killed Abel, right? Is that against God's law? Why didn't Cain suffer the same consequence? Because the law hadn't been imputed yet. It hadn't been introduced yet. Even though it was wrong against God, if, there's, if, there's, if the law hasn't been instituted, how can you break it? Because you don't know it. Right? There was a lot of people who broke the law before the law was instituted, and they didn't really suffer the consequences. You know? But once the law was instituted, then consequences came. Alright? So, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law points to Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said, I did not come to what? To condemn the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said, it was a fulfillment of the law of God. He was the only one qualified and capable to fulfill the law. Because he did not have a sin nature. And thank God that we had some, a champion to fulfill the law for us. He fulfilled the law so that we don't have to. Now, did God do away with law? No. What did Jesus do? He condensed the, the law of Moses into two. Aren't you glad? Jesus makes things simple. Right? Every law hinges on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Those, that is the sum total of the law. Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to make it down to two. Make it real simple. Okay? So if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. Amen? Say, I'm an heir of the promise. Say, I have an inheritance. It's mine to possess. Hallelujah. All right? Go to, go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and verse 8. When we make our confession next week, this is going to be so much, have such a greater impact. Hallelujah. Romans 9, 8, it says this. That is, they which are the children of the flesh... Talking about Israel. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Hallelujah. The Amplified says, that is, it is not the children of of the body of Abraham's natural descendants who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are counted as Abraham's true descendants. Now, Israel 
is going to have a chance to believe. And a lot of Israelites have believed, right? They're called Messianic Jews, right? We have been adopted and engrafted into God's family. They were born into God's family. Amen? And guess what? How do we get engrafted into God's family? We got born again. We were born, but then we got born again. That means to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Hallelujah. So, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to emphasize that all this is by faith. Look at verse 23. 1 Corinthians 3, 23. And you are Christ, and Christ is God. If you believe in Christ, you belong to Christ. If you believe in Christ, you are Christ, and Christ is God. You have been engrafted in. And as because you have been engrafted in, everything that Christ gets, you get. Everything that Christ has access to, you have access to. Hallelujah. Everything Christ can do, you can do. Jesus said it himself, these things that I do, you will do also. Right? Glory to God. So, believers are heirs. An heir is someone who has a share in. (laughs) Glory to God, you've been made shareholders of heaven. The greatest, most successful corporation of all time. It has never had a loss. It has never suffered defeat. It has always been on top. It has always been victorious. And all of us, as believers in Christ Jesus, we, have, we are shareholders in heaven. We are partakers of a divine nature. Because of the promise. That's the power of the promise. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready to possess. Hallelujah. You know, as a Christian, Christians have great privileges and benefits. I'm saving the benefits to last, by the way. And the gospel gives us these benefits. Go to Romans chapter 8 for a minute. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 17. Well, verse 15. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Woo! This is the kind of spirit that you did not receive. Aren't you glad for that? But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, you've been adopted by God, and you can sit on God's lap, and you can say, Daddy, God. You can call God Daddy, and you've got all the rights and all the privileges of God being your Daddy. Verse 16, the Spirit himself. Bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How many have that witness? You know, when you got born again, God sent a signal to your heart saying, you're mine. And I'm yours. Right? He, he sent back the signal. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. 
Verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Oh, I'm a joint heir of Christ. I'm a joint heir of the anointing. I'm a joint heir of the Messiah. That ought to be a little bit more excited. A joint heir. That means they both receive the same. They don't get different things. They get the same things. Hallelujah. Christ is the seed of Abraham and we, we, we have been engrafted into the seed. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. As we, get, as we study inheritance, it gets better and better. Look at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. How many blessings have you been blessed with? All spiritual blessings, everything you need to succeed, everything you need to prosper, everything you need to be healed, everything you need to have joy, everything you need to have peace, everything you need to have help from God. You've been blessed with every, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. That's the kind of inheritance, that's what the inheritance does to us. It opens up heaven to us. It unlocks heaven. Hallelujah. All of heaven's goods, all of heaven's stuff, all of the components of the anointing is ours. We have access to it. As an heir of Jesus Christ. As an heir according to the promise. This is a promise of God. This is forever settled in heaven. God's not going to change his mind about it. God's not going to lose interest about it. What he said is true. What he said is so. Hallelujah. Every day. Now there are two aspects of our inheritance that we must understand. Alright? They're very important to us. Number one is our position in God. Who we are. You know who you are? You are forgiven. You know who you are? You are victorious. You know who you are? You're the apple of His eye. Hallelujah. You know who you are? You're chosen. See, our inheritance, the first aspect is, it brings us into our position, which our position is Christ. We, he actually made us seat together with him in heavenly places. Right now, everyone who believes in Christ is seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, how many has ever been to a tall building that you could look down? Right? How do things look from a position up here? They look small. Whenever you're encountering a problem in life that seems so big, you just got to get in your seat. You got to get in your position. And you got to look down and say, 
I didn't realize how small that actually is. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. My problems are smaller. My challenges are smaller. My enemies are smaller. They can't touch me because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places because I'm an heir according to the promise. And the second thing about our inheritance is what we have. God actually gave us things. We're equipped. We have armor. You know you have armor? It's armor of light. It's invisible to humans, but very seen by the enemy. And with the armor, you're like MC Hammer, you can't touch this. No, 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 no. He was of the product of the 80s. I'm a product of the 80s. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Aren't you glad that you're an heir? You're not just an heir, you're an heir of the promise. You're an heir of the promise of God. You're an heir of resurrection power. You're an heir of having help present in a trouble. You're an heir to a deliverer. You're an heir to a conqueror. You're an heir to a king. Actually, the king of kings. Oh, you're an heir to a creator. Glory to God. You're an heir to eternal life. You're an heir to light. Woo! All right, Hebrews chapter 6. Starting verse... 11. And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. You know, God wants you to be a diligent Christian. What does diligent mean? You've got to put some effort into it. Amen? God did not, not, there's not one bench warmer in this building. God called you to be, have a part in the game. So let's get off our duffs and get in the game. Right? And let's be diligent. Let's be active servers, active worshipers, participants, right, in God's plan. That's what it means. Making yourself available to serve. Right? Being faithful. That's, that's all part of it. All right? Verse 12, and that you be not slothful. Aren't you glad that Christians aren't sloths? You ever see a sloth move? Did you hear about the sloth that went to return a product? By the time he got there, the time was out. He said, well, it took me so long to get here. Be not slothful, but followers of them through faith and patience inherit the promises. Guess what? You need patience along with your faith to inherit the promises. Everybody say patience. 
I want you to know patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that God has great patience for the precious fruit of this earth? He's waiting for people to come in. Some of you have been taking a long time. You need to get, a little, you need to get yourselves into the kingdom. Stop looking on the outside and start coming in. Right? It's like being around a pool, knowing how to swim, and you're saying, it's so hot out here. It's so, just jump in. Jump in. The pool is right there. Get in. Some people need to get in the body of Christ. Some people need to come back home. You've gone astray. And God, God's saying, your time is, it's time to come home. Amen? Okay. Verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Only God can approve his promises. Every promise that God gives you is God-backed, God-initiated, God-originated. All right? So he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply you. This occurred in, in uh, Genesis 22, where, God, where uh, Abraham offered Isaac. When, when God said, Now that I know that you're, you're, you're for real. Right? And uh, he says, In blessing I will bless you. Think about this. In blessing I will bless you. You think you're blessed, there's more coming. You think you're blessed, there's more on the way. There's more opportunities to receive greater blessings. God's blessing is something that grows, right? It's like, it's like the mixture for sourdough bread. You can keep that mixture for a long time, and you can use it to make bread all the time, but you've got to keep that, I don't know what it's called, it's like that certain mixture, right? Huh? Starter, yes, right? Thank you. Hallelujah. But see, God's blessing was designed to increase and grow and expand and abound. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. God is multiplying, you're multiplying. Surely, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. How many people are willing to obtain the promise here today? That means, even though the promise is yours, it may not come tomorrow. It may come tomorrow, but it may not. Are you going to let discouragement set in? Oh, well, it didn't work one day. God is not a fast food restaurant. Whether you realize it or not, sometimes God's got to work on your heart to get you a place where you can receive it. Because if you receive it with a bad heart, you might explode. Verse 16. For men swear by the greater... And the oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. In other words, how many people live by their word? You know, when you say something, you're going to do it, you do it, right? A lot of that is lost in our world today. 
Verse 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope before us, right? And this hope is the anchor to our soul. So, two immutable things, right? The two immutable things, God doesn't change His purpose and He doesn't change His promise. And you ought to have great consolation that when God gives a promise, He fully intends to bring it to pass. When God says you're healed, He intends for you to be healed. When God says, come out of the grave, He fully intends whoever He says to come out of the grave. Right? When Jesus was before Lazarus' tomb, did He say, Oh God, I really don't know about this. I'm really not sure about this. If he'd have prayed there, God, God had been silent. No, but what did he do? He stood before that tomb and he said, Lord, I thank you that you, Father, I thank you that you hear me. He didn't say that for him. He said it for everybody who was listening. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. He fully intended for Lazarus to come forth. That's why he said it and he did it, right? This is how God operates. Two immutable things. He doesn't change his purpose. He doesn't change his promise. God's counsel and oath will never change. He's never going to make another way for us to get to heaven other than being born again. You can only get to heaven, you can only see the kingdom of God by being born again. You can't get, God's not going to make a new way into heaven. Oh, I just created a new way into heaven. No, he, 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 once he makes up his mind, he doesn't change. Our God is a God who cannot lie, and our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He healed in Genesis, He heals in Mark. He heals in Palmyra. If He saves in Exodus, He saves in Palmyra. He doesn't change. His purpose and His plan never change. They never alter. God never has to... Write a rebuttal. God never has to write a retraction because he said something wrong. You have got to understand that everything in God's word is reliable, is trustworthy. So you can put your trust in it. You can have what it says. You can do what it says. But you've got to trust it. And you've got to do it. Amen? So, God's never going to not love you. Even in your worst moment, God still loves you the same that he loved you before. His love for you doesn't change. His purpose for you doesn't change. Every one of us were born on this earth with God DNA. And in us was the purpose of God, the assignment of God, the plan of God. Before Douglas Pishka was born, before my parents ever got together, God knew that the Pishkas were going to have a son six years later. I came six years after two girls. He knew that I was going to preach the gospel. 
Now, I had to figure it out. But God always, God always, it didn't take God by surprise. Amen? There are no preachers in my family history. The closest thing I have to preachers are some auctioneers. My father was an insurance agent. My grandfather worked for the city. My other grandfather was an electrician and a farmer. And really into health food. There wasn't any preachers in my line, but God knew that this was the plan for Douglas Pishka when he was born. I was born with that in my DNA. Now, if I never discovered my purpose, God's purpose for me would have never changed. God's purpose for you never changes. He still meant for you to do what he told you to do. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Moses didn't get started until doing what he was supposed to do until he was 80. John the Baptist got started in the womb. I think that covers us all. Right? Some start early, some start late. It doesn't matter when you start, just get started. Be, start doing what God has called you to do. Well, I don't know what God's called me to do. Well, that's what you need to figure out. That is the most important answer to the question that you need to figure out before you go on. It is amazing to me that people spend 40 years in a career that they hate. Well, it was a good paying job. Is that all God called you to do is to have a good paying job? No, you've got to find your divine purpose. It may be that job, it may be not, but you've got to know that God has created you with a purpose, and that purpose is never going to change. And that promise that helps you fulfill that purpose will never change. You've got to know that you can rely on God's promises. When we say inheriting God's promises and experiencing the benefit, it's not just a statement, it's a reality, it's a fact. We are heirs, and we are inheriting promises. I, I have, I've known God for several decades, and I still haven't encountered all the promises. I'm still learning. I'm still discovering promises. Amen? Hallelujah. So two immutable things. God is not a man that he should lie. Let me tell you some things about your promises. Go to Ephesians again. Ephesians chapter 1. Glory to God. Can you tell I'm excited about this subject? It might, it might kind of shine through a little bit. This is my passion. Ephesians 1 verse 18. He's talking about the prayer, of pr- praying for people for you. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know What is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God wants you to know the riches of his glory of his inheritance. I'm telling you, this is a a good inheritance. You didn't inherit a shack near the river that's fallen down. Amen. Matter of fact, your joint heir is right now preparing a place for you. A mansion, not a shack. Amen? God does not give dilapidated things, broken things. Amen? He gives you good things. 
Our God is the giver of good things. Nothing bad comes from God. It comes from the devil. It could come from a bad choice. How many ever made a bad choice where you I didn't want the results, but you chose it? We've been there, right? We made all, we've all made bad choices at one time or another. But thank God we can repent. Amen? So he wants you to know, just think about these words. The riches of the glory of his inheritance where? In the saints. Who are the saints? That's you and I. Guess what? You don't have to die to become a saint. You don't get to become a saint when you die. You become a saint when you know Jesus Christ is Lord. We're of the saints of the household of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a saint. All right? Notice now, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? You need, for a glory inheritance, you need exceeding great power. To us word. To us word, who what? Who believe according to the working of his mighty power. The moment you believe, God's power begins to work in you. Not just po- great power, right? Surpassing power. Verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him as, at his own right hand in heavenly places, whom we are seated with. Hallelujah. Oh, you need to get excited about your inheritance. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Let's redefine what we have gone through in this earth. Alright? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Everything you've gone through in this earth is a light affliction. It's a moment. Yeah, but you don't know, you don't know how bad it was. Yeah, but I know how good God is. The goodness of God will never compare to how bad you think it was. If you think you had a bad day, try getting crucified. Having nails thrust through your wrists and feet. Having thorns pushed on your head. Having your face covered and being spit upon and beat upon. And people mocking you saying, prophesy who hit you. Having a spear thrust in your side. Having to carry your own cross beam on your open back. Having your beard pulled out of your face. How, that was just a moment. But how much greater is the resurrection? Jesus is in heaven, right? He's resurrected. When he was resurrected, he didn't even talk about the pain of the cross. Amen? Why? The pain of the cross was just for a moment. But the resurrection is forever! It works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. 
All right. How can we receive our inheritance? I'm just going to finish up today by giving you some ways on how you can receive. How many want to receive? All right. Number one, you've got to trust in the promise. You've got to believe in the promise. Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Look at verse 21. Be fully persuaded that what God promised, he'll do. How many are persuaded? Fully persuaded that what God promised, what God said, he will do. He's the doer of the promise. All we have to do is believe it. He makes the promise. He does the promise. But we believe it. Your belief is the peanut butter in your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If you don't have peanut butter, it's just a jelly sandwich. Right? But your belief is like the peanut butter. It stands in between the bread and the jelly. It becomes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't know why I'm talking about that. But see, God writes it. God does it. But in order for it to affect you, you've got to believe it. Not just believe it, but you've got to be fully persuaded. You have to have no doubt. You've got to be fully persuaded. This is what Abraham was. He was fully persuaded that what God said he was able to do. How was, God, how was Abraham going to become a father when his body was dead? What's he going to do to make his dead body alive? What's he going to do to resurrect Sarah's womb? You know, oh, I'm going to resurrect Sarah. No. He needed the power of God, right? He needed the power of God. So he had to believe that God, who promised it, was able to perform it. You've got to believe that God is able to perform your healing. Do you know anybody who has greater success at medicine than God, the creator of the body? Doctors are good, but they're limited. God is unlimited. Amen? You've got to be fully persuaded that what he said he will do, he will do. Okay? What do you need to convince you? Oh, show me a sign. No, a sign's not going to convince you. How many people who walked through the Red Sea complained about not having water and bread? I mean, think about it. If you walk through the Red Sea, don't you think that God could give you some bread? I mean, someone who, who holds this, the Red Sea up while you walk on dry ground, they didn't even walk in mud. How can the same God who did that not provide you with food to eat? But yet some of them complained and doubted, right? We have no water, we have no bread. You just walk through the Red Sea. So, you, a sign is not going to convince you. You have to reiterate what God said. You have to strengthen yourself in what God said about your situation. So if you want to be fully persuaded, how many scriptures is it going to take to persuade you? Right? The Roman centurion, his persuasion was the authority of Jesus. Whatever you say happens. I'm a man under authority. I know how authority operates. Just speak the word and it shall be so. 
That was the only persuasion that he, he was fully persuaded that what Jesus said would come to pass. So you've got to ask yourself, what makes me fully persuaded? What have I been trying to get by not being fully persuaded? You know, you can't get it if you're not fully persuaded. Absolutely convinced that nothing can drag it out of you. I know that I know that I know that what God said is so. That's how you have to be. If you want to receive. Number two. You have to um, you have to know that being a joint heir is here and now, not sometime in the future. Did Jesus ever have a bad day? Not from his perspective. I mean, yes, people tried to kill him, people tried to make fun of him, people tried to do this, but for him, he never, had, he never let that affect him. He never had a bad day. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ, you have to believe that the power of Christ is working for you right now, here and now. Amen? If you want to receive. You've got to believe it belongs to you. Right? Go to go, uh, Romans 4, we're right there, verses 20 and 21. Notice what it says. He staggered not at the promise of God. How many of us stagger at the promise of God? Oh, that's too good. Oh, that's too big. Oh, that promise is too wonderful. I'm not worthy. Said who? If Jesus did it for you, you must be worthy. You've got to see yourself. You've got to overcome unworthiness. Unworthiness is a lie of the enemy. If you have thoughts of not being worthy of what God gave you, you need to change your mind. Because God certainly thought that you were worthy. That's why he did what he did. Amen? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. How many know you've got to keep your faith strong? How do you keep your faith strong? Eat faith food, which is the word of God, and Act it out. Believe it. Put it into practice. Right? And he, being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. He just kept giving glory to God, right? He, 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 I give glory to God. I give glory. I praise God. That's how he kept his faith strong. And it happened. He received the promise. You have to... Number three, you have to cultivate a lifestyle of faith and obedience. Faith is not something you do in a moment to get something from God. Faith is how you live every day. It's what you do every day. It's how you interact every day. It's what you discuss every day. It's how you incorporate God's principles into your life. Right? Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. How many know you've got to be both? Willing and obedient. Right? What did Abraham do when God told him to do something? God says, leave your family, leave your country, leave your homeland. What did Abraham do? He did it. What was he doing? 
He was establishing a life of faith and obedience. Sacrifice your son. Okay. He did it. Tell Hagar to go away. First time Sarah was a little angry, she sent her away. And then God told Hagar, go back. (laughs) How'd you like to have that instruction? You left the place because you were hurt or you were offended. And then God says, you've got to go back to that place. Oh, Hagar made her way back. You know why? That's when Ishmael learned how to pray. Because when she was sent out again, Ishmael was older. The Bible says he heard the boy pray when they didn't have water. Where did he learn how to pray? That time that he spent with Abraham when he was sent back. See, God's instructions are not up for our opinions or our arguments. God's instructions are simply to be obeyed, right? And when we don't obey his instructions, we reap the consequence. But when we obey the instruction, we get the blessing. You've got to cultivate a life of faith and obedience to God. Being a Christian is a journey, right? It's not, I'm not just a Christian on Sundays. I'm not just a Christian on Wednesdays or on Saturday at Barnabas Group. I'm a Christian every day. Why? What does it mean to be a Christian? To be Christ-like. I treat, if I'm married, I treat my wife like Christ. Oh, now you're telling on them, Pastor. If I'm a Christian, I don't lie on my taxes. Oh, now you're really getting in my business. Why? I'm Christ-like on Monday. I'm Christ-like on Sunday. And every other day of the week, I, I, I interact like Christ would interact. I represent myself like Christ would represent himself. I'm representative of heaven. If you want to receive your inheritance, you've got to cultivate a life of obedience. And sometimes that means making choices that you don't want to make. Was Moses all excited about his call to go and deliver Israel? No, he wasn't. He was like, I can't speak. God says, I made your tongue. Okay, mark that excuse off. Well, I don't know who's sending me. I am that I am. Okay, mark that excuse off. But the people won't believe me. Well, I'll give you, you can demonstrate this. I can't talk. I'll send your brother. Okay, God answered every one of his excuses. Of why he couldn't do what God said do. Initially, right? He was not being willing. God had to sit there and convince. Was God getting happy or mad? You read it. Read the story. God was getting angry. When you say that you can't obey an instruction, you're calling God a liar. Because he stands by every word that he says. And when he gives you an instruction, he knows that you can do it. Otherwise, he wouldn't give you the instruction. So Moses was stuck because God knew that Moses could do it, but Moses was not not willing to do it. But thank God that he came along and got convinced, right? My goodness, God's like, what do I have to do with this boy? You know, what do I have to show this boy? Right? 
I'm speaking from a, a burning bush that the bush is not being consumed. What do I have to do to this boy? You know? Whoa, 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 whoa. All right. What God tells you to do, you got to do. If you don't, then enjoy the consequence. All right? Another thing that you got to do is in, to reap your inheritance is you got to have strength and courage. What did God tell Joshua? Joshua is a type of the church reaping their inheritance. Joshua was commissioned to lead Israel into the promised land and to distribute the inheritance. Guess who I identify with a lot? Joshua. Joshua 1, 6 and verse 80. He told Joshua at least three or four times, be strong and of good courage. You've got to be strong to reap your inheritance. Why? After all, you're possessing it, right? You're laying hold of it, right? So you've got to have some strength. You've got to have some courage. Sometimes a promise disagrees with your circumstance. And you've got to have the courage to grab hold of the promise in spite of what your circumstance is saying, in spite of what you're feeling. That takes courage. That takes strength to step out and believe God. There's a... I remember, I was, you know this story, I was in a meeting and, and I heard of the opportunity. There's this church that's been without a pastor for a year. What? What? I felt like a dog, you know, when their ears get perked up. I mean, that statement just exploded in me. The next question I asked was, what do you have to do? What's the process? Okay, here's the process. Okay. I went home. I, I don't think I've ever been as excited about something so quickly. You can ask Fiona. I mean, I get excited about things, but sometimes I don't always show it because I'm, uh, uh, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm analytical, right? Some of you are like me too, right? I'm, I'm not a sanguine, you know. I love the sanguine personality, the woo, yeah, all right, you know. But I'm a little bit more subdued than a sanguine. But I, I love sanguines. I'm married to a sanguine. Amen. It helps me. Thank God. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> if you want to receive your inheritance, you've got to give it your all. You've got to be all in from the moment God calls your name. Amen. You've got to give it your all. Aren't you glad Jesus gave it his all? I mean, what would it have been like if Jesus was half crucified? I mean, think about it. Was, did Jesus have opportunities to not be crucified? Absolutely. You don't think the pressure of... He saved himself. So why would you come down from that cross? That was a, a pressure. You know? Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass. But not my will. He was all in. You've got to give it your all. Right? You've got to give it your all. Loving God requires your whole heart. You've got to love God more than anyone and anything else in the world. 
And when you give it your all, you'll inspire others. See, whatever you give your life to, what area do you sow most in? To the spirit or to the flesh? The harvest tells you what you've been sowing into. The harvest shows up. Whether you've been sown into the flesh or sown into the spirit, it shows. Alright? Think about this. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when a man found it and for joy over it, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. That's all in. That's all in. And then finally, the last thing, go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. If you want to receive your inheritance, whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 23. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Don't be a man pleaser. Should, should, but that, does that mean should I never please? Don't make that your motive, your purpose, right? I'm telling you, when you love God, you will please people and you will tick some off. Was everybody happy with Jesus? Oh, Jesus, it's so good to see you. No, they wanted to kill him. He was perfect. Yet Jesus ticked some people off. And guess what? You're going to tick some people off too. But don't be a man pleaser. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord, not unto men. Knowing that from the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, let me just wrap this all up. All of God's promises to you are yes and amen. God will never say no to one of his promises. Can I walk on water? Yes. If you need to. Why, Jesus did. Right? Philip was translated from one place to another. He didn't even need an airline ticket. He didn't have to go through security. (laughs) Right? Not one word of God's promises have ever failed. Not one. Knowing God's promises gives us the ability to share in his nature. It's impossible for God to lie. I want you to say that. Say, my father God cannot lie. He never lies to me. He's always truthful with me. Hallelujah. All right? We can share together in the promises of God. He who promised is faithful. Aren't you glad for that? He who promised is faithful. And when we persevere in doing what God wants, we will inherit the promise. Amen? See, our inheritance is both now and future. Do you realize we've only gotten the down payment of our inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit? What's the, what's the future? We can walk through walls like Jesus did when he was resurrected. Amen? The room was shut. Everything was shut and Jesus appeared. And he ate. I love that. Hallelujah. Now, I couldn't tell you about being an heir of the promise without including some benefits. Right? 
The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. Jesus gave us benefits. We're partakers of the divine nature. We have the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness from sins and freedom from guilt is our benefit. Aren't you glad for that? We have divine health and healing. Not only does He heal us, but He wants us to have divine health. Amen? God wants us to be healthy. Why? When we're not healthy, we can't do what He's called us to do. Amen? He wants us to be healthy. Hallelujah. Prosperity. He wants us to prosper and be healthy even as our soul prospers. Aren't you glad that we can, we can increase in prosperity? Amen? Hallelujah. We can have love, joy, peace, and righteousness. We can have all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. That's a benefit. We can have victory and freedom from the bondage of sin. That's a benefit. Are you guys excited about your benefits? Are you awake? Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors in all things. Amen? You're more than a conqueror. Glory to God. We have an understanding of the mystery of God's will. To us, it's been given to know the mystery. Therefore, it's not a mystery anymore. Hallelujah. We have divine guidance. God wants to make us happy, right? The beatitude. Let this this attitude be in you. That's why it's called a beatitude. We have security. Psalm 91 is our security. We are co-laborers with God. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. We, We can draw with joy from the well of salvation in our hearts. These are the up... Oh, we got so many benefits. Amen? Can't list them all. But you are an heir of the promise. Not just any promise, but the promise of God. You're an heir of the promise by faith. Amen? How you believe God. How you interact with God. How you walk with God. Everything goes into affecting your inheritance. Aren't you glad that you're a joint heir with Jesus? You're an heir according to the promise. Hallelujah. Blessed be His holy name. Let's stand to our feet. We've got something to shout about. We've got something to celebrate. We've got something to rejoice over. Amen? Hallelujah. If you need healing today, healing is included in the promise. If you need help today, help is included. If you need salvation today, if you need to come back home today, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Jesus didn't come here to condemn you. He came here to help you. But you've got to respond to him. You've got to respond to his voice. You've got to do what he says to do. Amen? Every time that we have an altar call, it's an opportunity to receive of the benefits, of the power. It's an opportunity for you to see God perform his promise, to be true to his word. Amen. So if there's anything that you came in with, maybe a heavy heart, maybe you know that you haven't been living right, don't just leave here today. And leave in an unright state. That's the worst thing that you could do. Because you give the devil free reign to operate the curse in your life. But God wants you to come and to surrender. So if you need to come back home, oh, today is a good day to come back home. If you need to be healed, today is a good day to be healed. If you need joy, joy is available to you. If you need direction in your life, this is a good place to receive guidance. I'm going to give you that opportunity. 
if any of those things speak to you. Of course, if you're not born again, you need to get born again. You need to make Jesus Christ your Lord. You need, you need to make a public de- declaration of it so that you're not ashamed of him. Amen? We should never be ashamed of Jesus. He's so wonderful. He's so incredible. He's so awesome. He's excellent. He's loving and kind and faithful. He's true. He did everything he did for you. So if you have any of those needs, I just want to invite you to come forward. Hallelujah. We give you thanks and praise for moving in this place, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit. Begin to tell the people what belongs to them. Oh, we give you thanks and praise. Let's just give God praise right now. Just begin to sing praise to Jesus. I know you've made Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Because you have never failed me. Yes, he hasn't failed. He's not about to fail either. Expecting the change to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Knowing the battles won. For you have never failed me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praises still. I just thank you right now, Lord, that you have prepared his heart to receive all that you have for him, all that you want him to be. Lord, keep me within your love. And there is an open door for your glory and your power to come to his heart right now and to fill him. Wants and desires. Lord, let a fresh anointing come from your your throne down his head, down his body, to his feet in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Father, for the word of God taking effect in his heart, in his mind, in his life, into whom you want him to be, whom you called him to be, in the name of Jesus. Father, I break every negative past experience. I come against every negative word that was spoken over you. And Lord, I thank you that he is cleansed and sanctified by your word in the name of Jesus. And Lord, he is being powered up right now in Jesus' name. I've seen you move. You move the mountain. And I believe. I see you doing again. You made a way. Lord, when there was no way, 
the church you know how god has designed the church i know now why he was showing me that earlier this message today i just want to share you guys sit down let's talk for a minute uh, <laughs> let's just chat for a minute see we've been here a long time we've been here you know gabe's 18 we've been here 18 years probably 19 because i was pregnant with him when we came and i realized we came here in a place where this subject i don't think it's ever been taught in this community your inheritance so god had to prep and he had to prepare see when god designed something it's not like for a short-term thing it is a long-term investment when he comes in a place and invests in that area he he plans for it to be there till he comes back so when he established this church, there were a lot of seasons in it. And so we, we're the third leg because we're the third pastors of this church. We're the third leg. So, you know, when you come into a place like this, there was so much to teach and for people to learn in order to receive what God is setting up here. See, every church... The whole body of Christ is the church. But every location, God has designed for that place and what he wants to do. So in this church, he's established it as your inheritance and your purpose. That's what this church is. So when you come here, 
That's what he wants you to be and become. He wants you to get that. And how many of you feel like you've got, you've made some strides in that area since you've been at Victory, right? I, I, I know some testimonies. You know what I'm saying? So I want you to realize that you, know, you can invite people. There's all these chairs. There are people in our community that need to move in what they were created to do. And I think he, he has been doing a... Um, sampling to show his power in that area you know with us look at what God's done since you've been in the church right and it's the teaching of the word and every person is different when they start walking in their inheritance and their purpose because it depends on what you came in with so it takes a lot of washing of the water of the word to get out of you what's been planted in you, right? If you went to different places and there are weeds, there's different degrees of weeds. So it would take longer in some places, and some places it's not so long, right? I mean, if you come to our backyard, you might take a little longer. But <laughs> the front yard's not so bad. But my point is, the devil wants to come in and tell you what your church should have been looking like by now. Have you, you understand what I'm telling you? And he wants to show you what is not happening, but he neglects to show you the people whose lives have been changed, including yours. Right? So if he can get you to criticize your own house, then he don't have to do anything. He could just pull down a house divided against itself. Can't stand. This is a house. This is the house of God. So we don't want to divide ourselves in the house. I, no, nobody's dividing anything. You know, don't go, oh my gosh. But what I'm trying to tell you is, you need to start talking up what this house is about. And I think today's message gives us all the proper information. This is the house of inheriting God's promises and experiencing the benefits of those promises. Right? And I just want us to recalibrate. It's, we're, not, um, we're not a failure. This house isn't a failure. And I think if you look for numbers, you may think that. But we are, it's a very potent thing that's been happening. There's a sampling of all the different types of inheritance that people have received right from this house. And you have to recognize. This is why it's good to get together and hear people's testimonies. Then you realize, wait a minute, I what? Do you see? So I want you to, to reconnect um, with the church, with this particular location that God has set up here in the smack dab of a place nobody ever heard of. <laughs> but you know, God has been putting us on the map, whether we realize it or not. Do you realize the Christmas tree at Christmas time for the White House came from Palmyra, Pennsylvania. I mean, really, there, there are other things God wants to do, but there's little things that are happening that we don't see, uh, but God's pulling it together. It's all part of his plan. So when Do God brought Doug and I here, nobody ever saw such a combination, including you. And <laughs> I want you to know God handpicked us to be here. 
when I was joking about it took Doug longer to recognize me and his wife as his wife than it did to recognize this was the church God wanted him to pastor. <laughs> I was saying that to the point of when God has created you for something, a purpose, it when it's when it's there, you it connects. Right? So you just have to have somebody bring it to you. Like there is always a messenger that brings it, right? When Mary was going to have the baby Jesus, a messenger came to tell her, okay, now's the time for the baby to come. Like she was always designed to have baby Jesus, right? In her belly. But the messenger came with the message and it connected. Do you see? So there are people out there that are looking for exactly what we have here. And you have to ask yourself, who are you the messenger for? And tell, give them the message. Let them connect with it. And don't be concerned about how they're going to feel when they come. God didn't make a mistake when he put us here. You may, some people may think it is. It's not. (laughs) A lot of people would rather, Pastor Doug, have my personality and I have his, but that's not what God planned. You could ask him about it when you see him, but for now, we'll just accept it as it is. <laughs> Do you know, you know, we have to uh, value the house of God and the anointing that he has put here. And I think this is the time for this message because the harvest is there. So we have to go get the harvest that belongs to this house. Don't be concerned about what the other houses are doing. It's what this, this is the anointing. I'm telling you, people's lives have been changed here like you don't even know. Like if we had a testimony service, you'd be shocked to find out what happened. You'd be totally shocked. If people heard your testimony, they'd be shocked. But don't, don't treat this like some other church. You know, I, I grew up in church and I've been to churches and, you know, it's just another. No, 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 no. There is an imprint and there is a plan for this specific location. And God didn't design this location for what it has if there wasn't an audience for it. God doesn't do bad marketing. You know, he don't go plant a business somewhere and then it's unnecessary. But we have to connect. You know what I'm saying? We have to... So every message that is taught here is designed to cleanse us from something that's blocking us from the inheritance and from our purpose. That's really what it comes down to. And this is where we have to... um, We have to... You know, the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. So you might sit through a sermon where you're like, you know, I already know this stuff or whatever. But there's somebody that needs to be washed a little bit longer in the information right so i just want us to have a renewed perspective of what this church is all about and you need to protect it you need to protect the purpose of it god can send us away quite and it's fine with us i mean really if he says go over there we're gone but this is still going to be here this right here is still going to be here and the reason why he has this here is for this specific thing so anyway, I just wanted to encourage us on that today. Well said. <laughs> oh, and uh, next week we're going to have a part of our service. We're going to honor the Good family. Uh, Pearl Good is going to be here. This will probably be her last time that she'll be able to be here because uh, she's visiting up from Texas. And we're going to dedicate our platform to the Good family who started this church and built this church. And uh, we're going to honor our heritage of faith. 
So it's just going to be part of our normal service next week. And uh, it's going to be a great time. So God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday. Youth on Tuesday.